Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to a journalist whose in-depth analysis of VHS Cleaner has shaped a generation of queers. Please welcome to the mic the handsome and talented David Mack. That's going to be on my tombstone, that story. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it's the only one. Um, I, I looked through the ones that you wrote and I was like, very serious, very serious, very serious, must learn legal jargon. Ah, poppers, a thing I know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it was a good story. It was, uh, uh, kind of the big thing for me last year, weirdly, like some of my silliest ideas end up being, um, the biggest, uh, story. So anyway, thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> How are you today? I am well, uh, it is what a Monday afternoon. It's the start of a working week and I am not feeling too bad. I don't know when this is planning on airing, but I, I would say that um, I'm actually going. I was I was on vacation last week, but I'm going to be away next week as well because I'm going home for the first time to Australia in two over two years, um, and uh, I get to meet my niece for the first time. Like my brother had a baby. Um, I am going to see my mum, obviously, and it's a surprise. She doesn't know I'm coming, <gasps> um, so it's very exciting. I'm going to be. You know, surprising. That's so exciting. Um, it is exciting. Yeah. So I am actually only doing one uh, one week of work this month, and this is it. So look at me. I'm working hard. I love it. I did a mom surprise. Um, it's a little less extreme. It's just from here to Oregon, not to Australia. That's a long um, way. It's a long way. Um, I feel like if you can't drive, it's long. <laughs> um, and it was great. Love a mom surprise. Super, super lovely. Unless she hates you. And in, in, in this moment, I have to ask, does your mom hate you? She doesn't, I don't think. But she doesn't know I'm staying with her either. So it's uh, kind of like, I think she thinks, I told her I was going to try and come next month for my birthday. And I think that's what she was counting on. But actually, I'm going to surprise her for her birthday instead because I'm a good son. So no, she doesn't hate me because look at me. Look at what I'm doing. I'm look at what you're son. doing. <laughs> that's so awesome. So to start things off, um, I have been thinking about this all day because uh, you are Australian and I just have to know, like, which place is hornier, America, Australia, or Twitter? Twitter, definitely. Yeah, probably. for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, horn, horn, uh, I, I think uh, everybody is horny in their own unique ways and also in all the same ways as well. So, yeah, I think hopefully <laughs> Australia and America share a lot in common. Uh, but, yeah, Twitter is you know, the internet is definitely the horniest of all the places. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I say that, as you said, as the poppers expert at the top of the core. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Well, you know, you don't have to partake in the research that you do. I know a lot about <laughs> alcohol. I don't drink it anymore. Yeah. But you, you, uh, you were a bartender, right? Briefly. And briefly, I, over quarantine i mean i like to cook and i like to make things so i would be like hey i'm gonna 
shake up these cocktails. I don't drink, so they might be bad. And Sean and Ashton were living with me at the time, and they're like, we don't really care, so go for it. And it turns out I'm not that bad for not being able to taste what I'm doing. Very good. We uh, we also drank a lot. We my partner and I are like quite into cocktails, and but then obviously in lockdown, it just that just meant just drinking a bottle of wine by yourself on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> that <laughs> habit it's still been hard to want. It's been a hard one to break a little bit, to be honest. Um, and uh, I have thought a lot about you know your 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 kind of you and others that I know who've given up cold turkey. I don't I don't think I'll ever like do that i like the social element uh-huh. of drinking like i like and as i said for my partner and i there's something about like going to a new city and seeking out a nice cocktail bar and seeing what they can do in in innovative ways um and i think like like a lot of gay men i probably conflate social events with you know events around drinking but i think that's true for a lot of people our age to be honest not just gay men um and i think definitely you know if if it would ever come to a stage in my life where I was like mm, do I want to give this up um it's something that would be challenging for sure and I admire you a lot for what you've done uh, I know my dad when I was in it was the early 90s in Australia and he kind of gave up alcohol for oh god a long time for like maybe 10 years um again I don't think I don't remember him ever having a problematic relationship with drinking but I do remember one day it was just like dad didn't drink anymore and instead he replaced it with uh coffee he became like Mm. a big coffee snob which in the early and mid 90s in australia was like quite avant-garde to be like talking about like cappuccinos and like um you know the correct way to froth milk uh and we we had a he got like a cappuccino maker for our house (laughs) like was like very you know because he saved a lot of money on drinking i guess and instead turned into like this big coffee snob so anyway was this pre-flat white that is Australia's uh, I don't big know thing. when the flat white arrived or like became Australia's big rather cultural culinary export. I'm not sure when that happened. I definitely remember when it's arrived in the US and like Starbucks. That mm-hmm. was like 2014. It was like my first year here and uh, 2014, 2015. And I remember thinking like, wow, like that's a big deal for Australia, this kind of one product that's gone away but my drink has all my coffee was in australia was always a cappuccino i don't know i was trained like my dad and culturally one weird difference i don't this is i don't know if we're going into too much detail for you right go for that coffee but one weird difference in the way that they make them in australia versus here is that in australia you would always get um like chocolate sprinkled on the top like chocolate um not sprinkles like chocolate dust right mm-hmm. um and that gets sort of put on top of the cappuccino so you get this like lovely when you sip it like not overly it's not like a mocha but you just get this hint of like dark chocolate and then the milk and the coffee and it all comes together really beautifully here wherever you go and you order a a cappuccino you don't get that and I remember my dad when he was still alive and he was visiting he'd be sort of outraged that we would go to these fancy coffee shops where you're paying like six dollars for a fucking cappuccino and (laughs) he'd be like what the hell where is the cap like the chocolate on top and uh, I he took to carry, he took to traveling with him with a little thing of chocolate that he shake. <laughs> just to prove it, just to be like this well, is. Well, it how was easier it. easier than like berating this poor barista, whoever it was, and it was just this like silly little thing that he would travel around with. God. Beyonce oh, had hot sauce in her bag. Your dad had a little bit of chocolate in Ex- his bag. Yeah, we all have <laughs> <Exactly>. our things. <laughs> exactly. No, I get what you're saying about cocktails and stuff. I mean, the thing. I don't miss being drunk at all, mm-hmm. but the thing that I guess I would miss or do miss about it is just kind of like adult flavors. I think it is interesting to mix a cocktail. I think things that taste medicinal taste good to me. I miss a fernet, but I mean, if you ever make the decision or if anybody is making the decision to stop drinking those things, you just find other ways to get those flavors or feel that way um or like have social interactions and you're just not drinking and it actually you just have a lot of club soda and get really gassy it's really <laughs> kind of what happens i like that way of describing it as adult flavors because it, it is really like part of the fun for me of cocktails is seeing what people can come up with that challenge you and surprise you um and that also like 
you know, I, I'm not a huge wine person. I love, I love wine, but I, by no means would I say I, I could tell you anything about it. Um, but I, I do enjoy kind of that, that wonderful moment of getting a bottle of wine at a restaurant and just being like, oh my God, like that's stunning, right? Mm-hmm. This, yeah. You know, you have this bad wine and you have this stunning wine. Um, and the same thing as you said that like adult flavors, seeing what they can do. But I think for like, in the pandemic, definitely it became a, like a lot of people, right? Like it was a divide for me in, in the day where, you know, I was no longer commuting home from the office. I was just sort of walking from my desk to the couch. And this was something that I could do every night that in, in lieu of seeing people and in lieu of feeling like there was a transition in my day, mm-hmm. uh, I would have a drink. And then that, you know, it was, we would add up, right? And you just end up sort of thinking, God, how did I drink a bottle of wine on a Tuesday? What the hell just happened? Um, and certainly I like have tried to bring back in that kind of rule with mixed success of thinking, okay, I'm going to not drink more nights this week than I will drink, if that makes sense. And that was yeah. always like my... Okay, if I can do that, that's fine. Um, and that's what I aim for. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge cultural shift that happened to us living in New York and I'm sure in other cities where like getting off work and going to happy hour or going to drinks is so accessible. Mm. It's so accessible and like what we do, right? Like I, when I talk to people about quote unquote gay Twitter when they like just got on Twitter in the pandemic and they're like, oh my god how do you know this person like well you know way back in the day you would like maybe interact a few times on the internet but you would see them out at happy hour on like friday so then it wasn't Mm -hmm. like this weird like everyone's an internet avatar vibe that exists now so can we talk about that for a sec absolutely the phrase gay twitter like what does that mean to you because i saw someone tweet this the other like ask that question like what does that mean because to me, I cringe. Like I, I like I, it makes me cringe. But I, I also like. They're always like, "Oh, this person has joined gay Twitter." What does that mean? Because like, I, I'm in media. Like I, I I'm a me. I'm like I, I don't think of myself as a gay Twitter user or a media Twitter user. I just think of myself. This is unfortunately part of my job that I have to just live on this website that sucks my brain out and has me thinking in these things. But I don't know. <laughs> how would you describe gay Twitter? How do you define it? It is fascinating because to me, the group of gay Twitter is probably the same six men that we go out to parties with, right? <laughs> and then... So it's all everybody's little circles then is what yeah, you're saying. Gay Twitter is whatever you make it then. Whatever you make it. I I recently, as in two days ago, took Twitter off my phone because while you were having <laughs> a bottle of wine on a Tuesday afternoon, I was like, I know literally every thought of every person that I have ever pressed follow on. And I don't need that anymore. To be clear, I did not have a bottle of wine <laughs> last Tuesday. We're not talking about. You were I, on vacation. You could have had a bottle of wine on Tuesday. Okay, I did have several uh, beach cocktails, but I did yeah. not have a bottle of wine to myself. Just so we're clear. I'm not coming out as an alcoholic on this show, but. Um, no, I just think it's fun. like I to me, I think like the stereotype of it from what I see and you know people will complain about so and some person random good looking person joining gay Twitter or uh and immediately becoming like getting 50,000 followers or whatever. And to me like the stereotypical user is someone that tweets like selfies and pictures of themselves more than they would tweet as you said thoughts and jokes and whatever. I love and hate I have a love hate relationship with Twitter but I I love it because it's I literally follow the funniest people that I know and it just makes me laugh all the time and also the smartest people that I know as well and it's like I can open up a door on my phone that takes me into a room where like there's just constantly a great cocktail party happening with people who are hilarious and intelligent and then I think like I think that phrase gay Twitter to me gets used in a derogatory way meaning like someone who I don't know treats it like Instagram or something where it's like okay I get that you're bringing your good looks to the table but like what what else you got like what else you doing here yeah I think it's I think it's just kind of used as a catch-all I think it's used by people who want to appear cooler and have more clout I think um it's used most often in a way to sound above things um 
and I'm 30 now. I don't got time for that shit. Like some of these people are my friends. Some of these people aren't my friends. It's a curated list of thoughts. And if it's starting to bother you, like it was starting to bother me, take Mm. a break. It is whatever you make it like any social media platform, however you engage and whoever you follow. Um, And I think that is both, as you said, a good and bad thing. Yeah. So David, as a person in media, I have to know where did this start? How did this how did this begin? Were you a small child who just wrote down notes and said these are stories? <laughs> uh, no, not really. I think I uh, how did I get into journalism? Um, I was in like my last couple years at school in high school in Australia, and I remember we had to do an English subject, an English class in English that for like a month or so that was about media and watching this show in Australia that was about journalism and a comedy show and then kind of analyze it and the way in which it talks about the media. It was the first time I'd really sort of taught, thought about media and news in a like theoretical way. And I remember enjoying it quite a bit. And then when I went to university in Australia, I didn't know what to study and kind of went to a advice day and basically had someone tell me that you should do this. And that's what I did. And um, I liked it a lot and was good at it. And I worked on the, high school paper in um in in and in sydney actually i didn't make the cut of the high school paper but i was such a loser that i still kept submitting and they felt sorry for me so they added me (laughs) to to the uh to the paper look at you now yeah right yeah uh and then i edited um the university newspaper with a group of other editors um and i got an internship at uh just like a couple month thing at um one of the news shows um in australia uh, what's called the australian broadcasting corporation which is like the aussie version of the bbc and then i sort of was able to parlay that into like random shift work at the abc in the kind of lowest positions in the newsroom there while i was still studying um and uh kept doing that uh for a couple of years and that turned into overnight news when I graduated so I was working night shifts for about a year which was like 10 p.m Ooh. till eight in the morning um and sort of doing a mix of radio and then some online and uh basically then decided I wanted to come over and try it in the U.S. and sort of worked for the ABC just for a, a summer in the DC bureau here and was able to, again, uh, just parlay that through, uh, applying to lots of things, um, into a position where I am now at Buzzfeed. And I've been at Buzzfeed for eight years, something like that almost, um, which is crazy to say out loud. Um, and it's been a, definitely a wild ride. sounds like just like persistence through and through. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like finding something you like and that you think you might be good at and um, sort of following that thread. I don't think I, I think when I was like a teenager, I probably wanted to be an actor and then kind of realized that I I do not deal well with rejection. <laughs> that was just never going to work. The idea of like, I think I went to like one or two castings and was just like, nope, this is just not for me. I could not, the idea of being in a room with like other people waiting for the same thing as you and knowing that like only one of you is going to get it and the rest of you are not, no matter how talented you think you are, was just like, I was like, that's, this just feels wholly unfair and disgusting to me. And I'm getting the hell out of here. Also, I was nowhere near as talented as I thought I was. So that helps. I mean, that's just, that's just a very smart assessment. Um, my delusion every time in those situations is how nice that these people who look like me showed up, I'm going to get the job. Um, but that's probably not healthy. Yeah. It's confidence. No, that's amazing. I, so I have a really stupid question. Like when you become an editor, like what does that actually mean? So editor is like, uh, a, a mix of things, right? Like it's kind of, um, it's different in each publication. I think it also differs for each person for what I'm, um, not editing anymore. I'm only focusing on my own writing now, which has um, been a change and, Uh, But across my career at BuzzFeed, it's basically like you are the one making the calls, right, on what is going, what stories are going to get written, um, who's going to write them, how, what the frame you want to be, what you want the 
uh, and, 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 and what the final result will be. So, and you're going to coach the reporter if they need help, you're going to, um, edit their copy. You're going to, uh, make decisions on headlines and photos and just the kind of final look of what it should be. So like you're kind of thinking with the editorial voice of whatever outlet you're, you're writing on. And that goes everything from, is this a story for us uh, and for our readers to, okay, what does the final result look like? Um, so it's a mix of, it's a mix of kind of theory and thinking and also just practical line editing and, I'll, you know, cutting down word length and things like that. <laughs> Sounds stressful. Uh, it's It can be, but it can also be really rewarding. And I've worked with a lot of great writers at BuzzFeed. Um, and uh, I was also doing my own writing as well, obviously, at the time. And um, I think you learn, I think editing makes you a better writer too. You 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 can kind of preempt, because I'm able to look at other people's work through a critical lens and sort of ask myself, all right, what's missing here? Like, what are the questions that haven't been answered? I can kind of do that with my own stuff to a certain extent. I'm, it's not, you certainly have, everybody has blind spots. Um, but it does mean that you, you, you kind of train your brain to think like, well, what is the best way to open this story? Well, clearly I have this character here who's got this amazing scene and like, I should, that's definitely an opening or that's definitely a closer. Right. Um, and you can kind of, you can kind of see through things a little bit better and able to organize them perhaps. Um, but then again, that's not to say that I've worked with a bunch of great writers who are way better writers than me who've never edited before. So uh, I think for me, then it's definitely helped me. As you were like coming up and being super persistent, was there ever a moment where you were like just ready to lean into being like a, I am a queer writer who writes it's funny, like, I don't, th- I don't think of, I, th- I don't think I think of myself as a, as a queer writer. I think I just, I think it just, I'm a writer and it just comes up occasionally in my writing if it touches on my uh, identity, which is, which is rare, but it is also like, I acknowledge that BuzzFeed is different from a lot of places, right? Where we can sometimes be voicier in our copy or we can uh, put ourselves in the story if we think it's, relevant or we can be a kind of a bit more daring perhaps in our story selection knowing that we have a younger audience and a, a lot of lgbtq readers as well so you sometimes that's a useful you know shorthand to kind of be like hey i'm one of you and i you know here i can i, I have authority here and in, in this area and i can you know i want to learn more with you um but i don't i, I it's it's rare that i um that I write myself into anything. Um, but I, I certainly think it does affect what I'm interested in and the perspective that I bring to a story. Um, and also just like there are times that I'm glad that I work where I work because of the kind of positions that we've taken on editorially on certain things. Like when I was starting at BuzzFeed and same-sex marriage wasn't legal, the, the newsroom position was that there aren't two sides to this story, that there is a correct side and there is, and you don't need to sort of give equal weight in your stories to people opposed to this uh, because it's a civil rights issue. That's not to say you couldn't explore what they were saying or quote them or whatever, but you, you, know, you don't need to do the kind of 50-50 split in a story that, you, in a, that a classical perhaps news story might have on something. Um, and I think I appreciated, and our readers appreciated that a lot at the time because it, it just was able to show that we are, um, you know, clear on this issue. And that also there are a lot of LGBTQ people at BuzzFeed and um, we shouldn't, and who read BuzzFeed and we shouldn't shy away from that. Yeah. No, I'm just always interested how it plays into people's full lives. Cause just like as a performer and front facing person, like every, every audition I go into, it, it's just, no, if you look me up, you know, I'm gay. Um, and I carry that with me as I go through things and it's worked for me in positive and negative waves. And I do know that like within the past two, three years, I've definitely like leaned into being like, I am a queer actor, performer, storyteller. And that is what I lead with. Um, 
so I'm just always fascinated how it like kind of works into other people's trajectories as we like talk about identity and seemingly mostly film, television, music, um, but also everything else that we do with our lives. I think I just say that like my job and my interest is in telling like other people's stories rather than my own story. I'm not like, I'm not always comfortable in telling my own story and I don't, I, despite what my, despite what my tweets may suggest, I do enjoy some level of privacy in my life that um, I appreciate. Um, and like, I'm not, I haven't been always comfortable writing about myself and um, I'm mostly comfortable writing about other people. Um, which is the kind of prerogative of the journalist. Um, the, the, I, like the few times that I have at BuzzFeed, it's been very cathartic um, and been very nice to kind of explore that and sort of, deal, you know, trawl through old memories and things like that. Um, but I certainly am much more interested in telling other people's stories rather than my own because really I'm not that <laughs> interesting. Despite you being so kind to invite me today, I'm really quite boring. I am sorry to disappoint. Well, David, as a quite boring individual, it is the time of the podcast for me to ask you, why are you like this? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, what do you mean by this? Offensive? No. I know, I, right? Uh, <laughs> I also outed you on this podcast, so like, here we oh, go. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I think... I thought about this a lot, obviously, knowing that I was like, you were going to ask me this. So it's not that exciting, but I think I would say that two, there's two things that come to mind as like turning points in my life when I think of like that pushed me to where I am today. The first is like kind of boring, but it's just like books that I read when I was a kid. And I can remember like, getting a hold of, I think I must have been in like the third grade or the fourth grade and finding this Australian author, I think named Morris Gleitzman, who no one here would know who he was, but he wrote like young children's novels in a kind of funny and emotional way that had a like emotion. And I remember, I remember getting like teary reading these things as like in third and fourth grade and being like moved to buy a book. And just then immediately going and reading everything he'd written. And um, it wasn't fantasy. It wasn't, um, I don't know. I think one of them from memory was about a girl whose guinea pig died or something. Like it was just very simple stories about kids and families. And that kind of, I don't know, I remember feeling like, oh, wow, this is like what writing is. And suddenly 
in primary school, I was someone who liked writing and reading. Um, and my teachers took notice of that. Um, and I think that leads me to the second answer, which is I'm, I am who I am because of a couple of teachers that I had in, in my life at both at critical moments um, in kind of fifth grade, a teacher, Mrs. Bruce in my local primary school who kind of identified something within me and made sure I was in this hybrid class with like fifth graders and sixth graders and uh, kind of realised that I had a talent for this, this stuff and pushed me in that. And also I just liked as a kind of nice, you know, when a nice teacher takes interest in you and kind of recognises something in you um, and it's nice to feel seen because up until then I'd never felt like anything remotely special, right? And then suddenly the teacher's being like, no, you've, you've got talent, you should be in this talented program. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like, oh, what? Like what are you talking about? Um, and you don't see yourself in a, you don't see yourself as having a skill or being smart or being good at sports until somebody, right, tells yeah. you, no, you you are good at this. Um, and I remember that being a kind of turning point. And then the same thing happening in high school of being feeling like I was lost. I went to an all boys school and feeling like I didn't fit in and feeling like I was lost. And I was just this kind of person adrift in this sort of random English class. that wasn't, I don't know. I felt like I was like, okay, but you know, okay. They've put me in this middle English class. They haven't put me in the top class. And then finally someone pulling me out of that and putting me in the top one and sort of realizing, Oh, okay, maybe I am good at this. And then like dominating that's yeah. right, guys. I fucking dominated. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that to the guys in the class. Yeah, screw them. Yeah. No, I, um, I, it suddenly, yeah, again, it's just like a teacher recognizing something in you and sort of pushing you um, towards like what you're capable of. And that, as I said, that set in chain the kind of motion of the rest of my life where I had as I said to you at the start, right? Like I, I, I studied media because I studied it in English and I had a good time. And that's these English classes kind of changed my life and the trajectory of it. Um, and that's, that's kind of who I am today and where I am um, is because of those, those moments. Um, it's funny though. I, it's like, I wouldn't, I guess I'm a writer. I don't introduce myself to people as a writer. Like I wouldn't say I, I'm a writer. I do. I write all the time. I write for my job. I understand that. And I write lots of different kinds of writing and some of it's simple, some of it's complicated, some of it's personal, some of it's not. But I, I, I just say I work in media. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, it's not I, like, I'm not, a book writer. <laughs> like I haven't. I mean, but you could be. I have written a short children's book. Uh, that well, I wrote wrote a post that they turned into a children's book about Trump sitting in a truck. So yes, I am a published author, but I don't. So um, yes, you've written I mean, a book. Yes, yes. I, but I I don't consider myself like you know. I look at friends who've written books, and I'm like, well, you're a real writer though. Like you 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 actually write. Like I'm just some schlub who like gets paid to you know, create content. Um, no, that's, that's I'm being simple, simplistic, but I, I don't know. I just don't, it's despite me saying like all this stuff about English and stuff, I still don't think of myself as a writer, but it definitely got me to where I am today. If that makes sense. Absolutely. No, I think that's a pretty normal thing across all creative platforms, right? Like mm -hmm. every person who is some sort of creator has a moment or moments like having a hard time identifying themselves as the thing that they do. Mm. Technically, I haven't acted in two years. Like, nobody's paid me. Mm -hmm. I've lied to boys, but that's <laughs> for free. So when I wake up every day as, like, this is Ryan Andrews, what am I as I'm putting myself together? Some days I don't feel like an actor. Some days I do feel like an actor. Some days I am writing more. Some days I'm not, but it doesn't mean that that isn't a part of me it doesn't mean that writing in english aren't a part of you all of the time even if you stopped working at buzzfeed today and became an accountant you're still a writer <laughs> i i don't think i have the number of skills in me uh it's been a while since i did any good maths uh but it's uh no i i think that's very well said i think like i like that idea of like when 
I think we all doubt ourselves more than anything, but I, I, I still, it's just a funny, a funny phrase for me to use about myself. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't consider it, but I have to ask then for you, like what is like, who, who were the teachers in your life that made you who you are today? Like, um, there are a couple, I mean, there's definitely, I think of my high school teachers a lot more than I think of professors in college, just because I think the leap from high school to like studying in school is just like much bigger. Um, cause you are just making this decision of like life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're at college, I'm like, well, I'm here and I didn't really have a great time in college, but I do think, um, Julie Casper was an incredible teacher of mine who uh, was actually like my student government teacher. She didn't actually like teach me math or a subject or anything, but she just like saw me and saw the good things in me. When I was in high school, I was, I've always been very witty and quick, but I was also very, very mean um, because I knew it would get a really quick laugh. And I was not looking back. I was not necessarily comfortable with like, who I am as a person. So I could do this and be quick and mean and make people laugh and people wouldn't ask questions about me. Mm -hmm. Um, And Julie like saw through that and like saw the good things of me and like the things that I can accomplish and do. Um, So she's always been very beneficial to my life still to this day. And then Honestly, I think it was my middle school drama teacher, Miss Potos, who was like the like the teacher from High School Musical, like dressed the same way. Um, <laughs> she would often like eat soup like on her boobs, just like while she taught class. Um, and she just let us be weird kids who did theater. Like the shows were not good, but we thought they were. And we were all 12 and 13 putting on shows like it, it just it's not great, but she let us be weird and like let us explore in a way that felt grown up. Um, so yeah, I guess those two really like helped me out. I think like the power of a good teacher and someone who recognizes you and whatever subject that is, is like, and it may be just for academics or as you said, it may be because they have a connection with you and can see something emotional in you as well I just think that that is so impactful at the right point in someone's life and I really feel lucky that I got to experience that because I know not every person does a lot of people have shit times at school um and yeah I I actually liked it a lot (laughs) same same yeah I just um yeah I find like such hard like a hard divide between like remembering the teachers that did really well by me or did things that I find positive in my life. And I have to keep those memories more alive because I, I will always remember the people who like wronged me faster Mm. or the people Mm. who were like, "Mm, maybe you're not an actor. And I'm like, well, I am spending a lot of money to study this from you. So could you tell me definitively like what's going on? Um, but yeah, it's definitely important as you were talking about like teachers that saw you and pushed you in a direction based off of your talents and what you were just showing in class. I think that's incredible teaching. It's the best you can ask for really at that age. Truly. Speaking of just being people's champions, um, I can always count on you to shout out um, any part of my workout journey. So thank you for that. Um, it's one of my favorite things about seeing you at a party. Well, congratulations. Every time I see you, you've, I don't know, somehow done it again. Um, and what, what is it like? We don't have to talk numbers, but I guess like, how do you feel? I feel incredible. Um, I've had a fitness journey as every person has had that's been up and down and all over the place. And it's probably the most consistent I've ever been. Um, I haven't actually stepped on a scale. Because I don't care, which is weird. Normally, I'm very like focused on numbers, um, but like I just feel happy, healthy, and whole for the first time in a long time. Um, so for that, it's working for me. But I know that you've also had a 
big weight loss journey in your life as well. Yeah, I was like, um, I was overweight as like, uh, I put on a lot of more weight when I went into the last years of high school and then at university. And it was only when I really was doing those night shifts that I talked about at the ABC when I wasn't eating as much and kind of just because I wasn't hungry, right? You're working at that time. You're just not, I don't have, I'm no interested eating lunch at 4am. Um, and so I just was eating not much. And then uh, exercise became something I do. I did in the, when I woke up in the afternoons to sort of try to have some sort of physical thing and get moving and do things. And I got into running and I got into exercise and going to the gym properly, even though I'd been going to the gym, right. As like a chubby teenager, um, the weight just kind of fell off and it was never like, I was never, um, struggling with, uh, weight in the way that I know other people did. I was just kind of chubby. Um, and it just kind of, I just lost, uh, a, a fair chunk of weight. Um, and then it's gone up and down in the years since, especially like in the pandemic, obviously. And um, I kind of, there are times that I look at a photo from a couple of years ago though and think like, oh, wow, like you were like skinny then. And I'd be like, but of course at the time you don't feel it, right? Like, right, it's like yeah. what? I didn't, I didn't look, I felt like I, I was comparing myself to what I was at my skinniest, right? And thinking, God, how I look like, you know, I feel so overweight and of course you, you're not and nobody else is thinking that, but I think like being a fat kid, it stays with you for the rest of your life. You're just like that. You think you could think of, you could look however you want and you're still going to be critical of yourself. I know everybody feels critical about themselves, but I think when you're coming up at that important developmental age of like just being a sexual person, right. And mm-hmm. someone who is, suddenly aware of sex and interested in potentially maybe doing sex (laughs) (laughs) as a concept you as a concept uh and you just feel completely like unworthy of that anything physical and physical attraction um that that kind of stays with you for a long time it can sort of haunt you um in in ways that a kind of a therapist would get a lot of money out of dealing with absolutely no it's you're right. I mean, when sex came into my world, sex came into my world when I was like <laughs> out gay and not just looking at porn and was like, what if I did this with another man? Um, <laughs> what a concept. I was at a school in the middle of Illinois with maybe 12 other gay men who were all like going to school for theater. So like I'm the I was the the biggest one. And everyone else was like fit. So it it was just weird to not see any kind of world where like my body would have been desirable to other people because I'm seeing what is the preferred at, you know, idea of this body. And then I'm there being like, I where am I? Like, what do I do? How does this work? When, mm. um, and it truly really wasn't until like literally last summer, just being outside and dancing shirtless with everybody and being around other bodies that I like feel incredible and I feel desirable and I feel, um, worthy of, sex with somebody that I want to have sex with and not just somebody who is also available. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just an interesting journey for sure. It's funny as well. Cause like people will like, there's a certain level of, I remember feeling like some level of like shock when suddenly people were like interested in me or like, or would, you know, would look at you in a way and you thinking like, well, I don't, what's, what's happening here. And also like the, the stuff of like the, the weirdness of which we compliment this stuff in people. And I hope you feel like I've made an effort just to compliment how happy I am for you that you found this, not, you know, and that you, you feel you look happy and healthy and whatever, because I, I find it like, it's, it's a terrific, it's a tricky thing to, to, to navigate. Like you want to give someone praise for the work that they've done um, without trying to make it seem like you didn't exist before, but now we can, we can celebrate you or something. You know, no, what I mean? you have always made me feel very 
seen in the work that I'm doing and there have been no negative reactions to any sort of reaction from you. So because I'm ha- like I, yeah. I want people to notice the work that I do. You exactly. Know? It's like, yeah. Yes, I am going to the fucking gym. That's right. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a complex. I mean, I guess uh, you know what two gay men talking about body image. Well, this is revolutionary, right? Oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> we're gonna break the internet with this one. Oh well, David. As we wind down the podcast, I ask this of all of my guests: Do you have any questions for me? Oh, I, I mean, I asked before about the the teaching stuff, but I guess I'm interested as well in like what I answered, like the the book and the author that I found at a crucial point in my life, and that again, it, it it's not a famous person, but at least when here, and it's not some you know, it's not the Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or anything like that. But I'm interested in knowing whether any books or even like films or texts that you found that you know suddenly put you in a, in the position where you are today like when you trace back to your childhood can you remember the kind of the text that or the author or the singer that kind of put you where you are yeah um book wise the book that i checked out the most from the library and read constantly was ella enchanted and if you have seen the anne hathaway movie it is a adaptation of this book and I have to be very clear because the book is much darker. Um, but I did check it out a lot. I was big into fantasy, that vibe. And then there are a couple things that the performer I saw where I said that I can do this was Christopher Fitzgerald, um, who was the original uh, Bach in Wicked. He was just re- recently, quote unquote, in Waitress. Um also just kind of a short goofy guy who sings similarly to me and I was like oh my god I can do this there's a space for me and then when I saw the spring awakening tour when it came to town I um remember seeing it and just knowing in my body and my soul that like if asked I could get up and do that and do it well Um, And this wasn't like a knock on anybody's performance in that it was just like a recognition that like my body is also built to do this and to share stories in this way. Um, So those like three things were really big for me on this journey. We call life. (laughs) I love I love yeah, looking back and thinking like the text that changed us and like how they fell into our laps. And, you know, I don't know, it's. Well, as I said, it wasn't until I was coming on here that I was like, okay, think think deep, David. Um, and that's where I sat <laughs> off. So thank you. This yeah. is therapeutic. Absolutely. I loved it. No, it's like, as I think back on like Ella Enchanted, I'm like, why did I read that a lot? It's probably because I just liked it. But then if I look at it now, it's about following rules and being obedient and falling in line so you don't appear odd or exceptional, which is like, you know, a thing closeted people do. So I'm sure I can make a, a nice connection there on that. But yeah, it's just interesting to to think back on the things that we were like gravitating to in our youth that ended up being foundational. Yeah, it wasn't sports for me, that's for sure. Mm. I played. Did you see, did you hear, so this is, this is a fun thing to go out on, but did you hear the way I just said that word? This is because <laughs> I've been in this country for eight, fucking years and that my accent i think is pretty good my australian has i've kept it but then i will say a word like sports did you like Mm -hmm. i heard myself as soon as i said it because that hard r the r r is something that i have to do performatively in this country in order to get people to understand me right so you know, to say, can I get a glass of water when I go to a restaurant? I, and I, I will go to bars with Australian friends and we'll all be just be talking like this, g'day, yeah, yeah, g'day. And one of them will be like, can I get a glass of water? And they, we all do it because we know we've been trained to do it. So when I hear like subconsciously that I'm about to say the word sport, that I have to ort rather than sport. Mm. Um, and I, as hopefully going home, it will take all of three hours to knock that out of my system <laughs> um, because I know that I've definitely been around friends when it's come out in Australia and they kind of look at me and roll their eyes and be like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you can order a water around me however you want and I'll make sure that you get it. 
glass of water, mate. Thanks. Yeah, just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What a lovely chat. Where can the children find you? Thank you. Uh, Where can they find me? Uh, Well, um, my Twitter is David Mack. M-A-C-K-A-U, and that's me across the platforms. Um, and it's because uh, whoever got David Mack got there first, and .com.au is what the Australian internet uses. Um, but a lot of people will call me David McCow, which is fine, I don't care. And then uh, you can find my work at buzzfeed.com slash David Mack. No Macau there, just David Mack. Just David Mack. Oh, well, this has been a wonderful conversation. And until next time, y'all. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.